Blog Talk Radio. Greetings, all, and welcome to Getting Loopy. Join us every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern for a little loopy fun. And I was about to tell you what the date is, but I have no stinking idea. Here we are. It is the 4th of June. I cannot believe it is June already. I do not know where the time has gone, but, you know, so it goes. So June 4th, Monday, June 4th, 2018. And uh, what's going on in the world? I'm uh, in New Jersey this week visiting little Loopy who had her hip surgery last week. And thank you very much for all the people that have sent messages via social media and email and all that stuff. She's doing great. Um, She's a little tired, a little sore, but, you know, she had major hip surgery, so she's allowed to be a little tired and a little sore. Um, But she's recuperating very well, and thank you for all the love that people have been sending. We both appreciate it. Um, Jeez. I don't really have much else to report. There's certainly a lot going on, but none of it I can share with you guys at this moment. So there you go. Um, For those of you who prefer to listen on iTunes and have not been able to, we did get that all straightened out. Um, So when you're telling your friends that Getting Loopy is back, um, please tell them iTunes. So you can subscribe via iTunes as well as Blog Talk Radio. So that is uh, fixed up. And tested, and thank you to Spring Splendor, who's an OG loopy groupie, for nagging me until I got that done. It is greatly appreciated. Um, As always, stop by hookedforlifepublishing.com slash blog and check things out. And as always, if you click on a link for Amazon or anything else, some of those quarters come back and keep getting loopy on the air. So we appreciate any support you can give us in that direction. Um, next week on June 11th, we have Christy Simpson, who's an author of many books, most recently for Leisure Arts. So she'll be joining us next week. Um, and I do have some other guests lining up, but I'm not exactly sure dates yet. But Karen Hooley will be joining us talking about a new, pro, uh, new project that she wants to share with the world. And I believe we have Ray from uh, Premier Yarns has a new yarn coming out. And they have said that they want to talk to us about that in July. So... I do have um, some more guests coming up. I just don't have who's on what day yet. And as always, you can email gettingloopy2.0 at gmail.com or the Getting Loopy group on Facebook or Getting Loopy 2.0 on Ravelry and give me some ideas about who you might want to hear and I'll see if I can get them on. Uh, So tonight we have the lovely, the talented, my dear friend and the other half of my brain, Charles Voss is joining us this evening from the wilds of Canada with his multilingual, multi-stitual, multi-talented self. So, Charles, welcome to Getting Loopy. Hi, everybody. Hi, Mary Beth. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks for coming. I'm excited. Um, I, I hope you don't mind being referred to as the other half of my brain, but I do say that fairly frequently. Charles no, I had to laugh at that. many together. <laughs> I had to laugh at that when I was still muted, which is a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I have to ask you the traditional opening getting loopy question, which is, when did you learn to crochet and who was it who taught you? All right. Well, I learned to crochet 46 years ago when I was just a four-year-old toddler. Well, no, I guess more than a toddler. And... um, (laughs) I was homesick with the chicken pox or the measles. I had both, don't remember which one it was, and lying in the living room. And my mom had a friend over, and she was crocheting a 1970s 
hat. I remember it was pale blue and it was the kind with the big brim that was all floppy and wavy. And I was okay. just watching her. You know what I mean? I don't know what they're called, but yes, I think you have to. Having lived through the 70s. I <laughs> and uh, I was just mesmerized watching her taking yarn or thread, I don't know what it was, and making a three-dimensional object of it. And she just, I think she caught my eye staring at her and she invited me over to learn and she showed me not on the hat, <laughs> but Sana comes some yarn, and she showed me the chain and single crochet, and that was it. I was off to the races, covering the house with <laughs> chain <laughs> at first, and my yeah. mom knew a little bit, so my mom kind of taught me a little bit with single crochet and double crochet, and then I probably set it aside. I don't remember making more than rectangles and scarves and blankets for my stuffies. And the mm-hmm. next time I actually remember crocheting was more when I was eight years old and I wanted to learn to read a pattern. And my mom basically gave me a doily and gave me a pattern. And she said, here, figure it out. I don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> so and and I, look at you now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I set out to decipher all the abbreviations and how everything worked. And I made the same doily that my mom had made. And then there was the, the book instructions as well. And yeah, and then the rest is history. And do you still do a lot of thread work? I know you enjoy it, but I know professionally I find for myself there's not as much market for it for me as there is for yarn stuff. You still do a fair amount of thread, though, don't you? I do kind of on the side. I probably, well, let me see. Last year I published two doilies and a fillet, but uh, I still want to do more more doilies, and I want to explore... some fillet, fillet crochet shawls and things like that in the upcoming months. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, haven't, I haven't set it aside. I definitely really, really enjoy working with the, the fine stuff. Not, I'm, my, number 10 is my favorite, 20 and 30. Um, I don't understand why Gordon that's all. <laughs> Charles, your mic even... just got a little quieter. Did you move? You just got a little uh, quieter no. and a little fuzzier. Is it still quieter? No, I think it's better now. Okay, I um, just put my R. Yeah, no, that's better. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. I just didn't want, I didn't want to lose you there. So No um, problem. Now, you also knit, and you also tech edit, and you also provide content in Spanish, which I think is really cool. I've been plugging El Pejado Listo very heavily on the, on the blog for, or on the podcast the last couple of weeks, letting people you were knowing. Um, what <laughs> caused you to, um, uh, for those of you who don't know, Charles is multilingual. So he's fluent in Spanish and English and French? Uh, French is uh, so-so. No, I'm not fluent, <laughs> fluent, but I can manage. <laughs> right. You can, you can get from here to there. Um, yeah. What caused you to focus on Spanish language content recently? Well, um, I noticed um, like on in Spanish blogs that there were very few uh, when the Renaissance kind of started in the English knitting and crochet realm. The Spanish one was still kind of catching up maybe five years later. And mm-hmm. um, what was there was reminiscent of what I experienced as a kid. I grew up in Colombia in South America. And mm-hmm. basically 
I would go to a yarn store and they would give me yarn. Well, I would buy yarn and they would say, well, try this needle and, or try these needles and here, make a swatch. And then they would show me something they had hanging up on a, on a mannequin or on the wall. And then they'd say, okay, so to make this, you know, you have to do this many stitches because this is what your gauge is. And so you will make this rectangle. And they basically taught me how to design because that's how they all knit and crochet. They look at a picture of something or at a sample and then they figure it out. And swatching is all part of it, but also frogging and redoing and frogging and redoing until you get it right because that's how they're, they don't have the, um, well, they, now, now they do. Now there's a, you know, the language of, for pattern writing is much more standardized in knitting. In crochet, it's very interesting. Um, from Mexico to Chile to Argentina, Peru to Spain, the word for a double crochet is different. In one place, wow. it means a, yeah, in Mexico, it means like a bundle, like a bundle of hay uh, or mm-hmm. a, a hay bale, I guess. Um, in Peru, it's like little twig. In Colombia, it's little stick. In uh, Chile and Argentina, it's a little bar. In Spain, it's the tall stitch. So very descriptive language. Um, so what's seeming to happening now with YouTube is the Spanish terms and the Chilean Argentinian terms are the ones that seem to be becoming more dominant. And those are the ones that are slowly becoming standard. But when well, I first I started, we talk a lot of, well, I talk a lot because I go to England so frequently about mm-hmm. the difference between us and UK terms and people become people from one country or another, I think, become pretty adept at doing their own translations if there's something in the other in the other technical language that you really, really want. But um, it, it's interesting. So you, you are finding in Spanish language that uh, – so do you think somebody who's from Chile and Argentina can understand a pattern from Mexico or in the yeah. same way that I can pick up a U.K. pattern and change in my mind what the stitches mean? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. They've now be with the YouTube videos and um, well, the other thing that they have been heavy, re, heavily reliant on is the stitch symbol diagrams. That's been around for a long time, um, and so a combination of that and the videos that are out there now, everybody just kind of okay, this is what they're using, fine, and then they switch mentally what it is, and then they keep going. Like there's no. Well, and it's funny because that you mentioned the diagrams because I know that that is another of your skills, uh, another one of your languages, if you will. But it's <laughs> yeah. interesting when I'm out teaching classes and stuff, and people are like, well, you know, what do you use to do your diagrams? And I'm like, I call Charles, <laughs> you know, or Lindsay or Karen or Robin. You know, there aren't a lot of people who are as, as gifted as it as you are, but um, I think that's another niche that you've really found for yourself is creating those diagrams. Now, a lot of people feel like, you know, there should be a program that you can buy, and there are programs out there, but um, Mm -hmm. I feel like the crochet symbol fonts, each one of the five of you that are really great at this sort of adapt them to your own uses. So can you talk, not that I want you to give away trade secrets, but everybody asks, if I want to learn diagrams for my own patterns, where would I start? So do you have any just really for dummies sort of information on where people might start to learn to do their own diagramming? Right. Um, well, you can buy, I think it's called Stitchworks software. 
I'm not sure about that. Anyway, if you just search uh, Google uh, crochet stitch software, it, it'll there's about three that'll come up, but there's one that's really good. It allows you to manipulate. It provides circle background grids and row grids, but the symbols are inflexible. Like they're just one shape and that's all you can do about it. So I don't use that. I like to use either Inkscape, which is a free vector program, or Adobe Illustrator, which is the paid one. And mm-hmm. I have I have designed my own alphabet of symbols, and I know that Robin does and Karen Manthe, well, most of us have developed our own, I think Lindsay too, have developed our own little character set. Well, and, you almost have to. Yeah, and the thing is, the that's nice about them. what is commercially available. Yeah. And, and well, for example, and some of us are, have a different way of dealing with uh, symbols that don't fit. Um, so Robin Chichula has uh, a set, a set way of organizing her symbols. And then if they don't quite fit, she has a way of squeezing them in, but they stay mm-hmm. the same. Whereas right. um, Karen Manthe and I, we will stretch the symbols to fill in they look a little bit more like the Japanese stitch dictionaries, which allow stretching. So a chain, if you have two chains, but you're doing a pineapple lace and you have this big gap to go across, we mm-hmm. stretch we stretch our chain ovals longer to fill that gap. Whereas other okay. people put other people put the two chains with bigger spaces in between them, and they might. Uh, right. And then you just have to use your eye to kind of follow the arc. So there's just different ways. Um, yeah, the best thing to do is to get Inkscape or Adobe Illustrator, and there's lots of free tutorials on how to make vector symbols and how to copy and paste them and rotate and spin them. And then basically you you get started from there. I was cracking up. You put a video up a couple of weeks ago of you were doing <laughs> a diagram for me. And you put mm-hmm. a little video on Facebook of you speeding up and doing it and saying, you know, hey, Mary Beth, I'm hard at work. I w- was <laughs> interested today that somebody, even today, I mean, that post has been up for weeks, and somebody posted today that they just found it mesmerizing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> watching, you know, your mouth go back and forth and the symbols piling up on top of each other. It is really cool watching it happen. Yeah, that was about... 20 minutes, I think, of working squished down into like 40 seconds or something. <laughs> uh, but it is it is absolutely mesmerizing. It's like you watching the person crocheting and getting yeah. taken in by the motion and wanting to, to make something. There were a lot of people who were like, wait, I want to know how to do that. I'm like, yeah, everybody does. So <laughs> you find out how many hundred hours you have to invest in learning how to manipulate yeah, when the pieces. I... It... I'm sorry, go well, ahead. Fortunate... Fortunately, I had, um, well, when our kids were born, my wife stayed home a total of four years with them. And then she went back to work because her career had a more visible, clear path that she could follow. Mine didn't as much. So I stayed home with the kids full time and then started into web design and making the graphics. And so I basically taught myself Adobe Illustrator. And so by the time crochet symbol diagrams were like, oh, wow, I could do this. <laughs> I already <laughs> had the, the vector drawing skills, but it still took me a good year to make what I would consider professional looking, looking ones that I was pleased with, that I didn't cringe when I saw them. 
Be and then, you. of course, when you get to Tunisian, the whole all bets are off. Everybody's oh making up their own. Then every, and then the other thing is Tunisian is a blend of knitting, which is the, the, the grid and the, the crochet symbols. And, of course, Tunisian has its own set of symbols. So right. it gets it gets complicated because of everything has to say has to say stay sorry centered in each little grid box but the symbols don't always like to line up and stay and behave <laughs> so tunisian is fine and of course and then you've got two symbols for every row you have the forward pass and the return pass and then the return pass right so, and then i i have totally forgotten the return passes before <laughs> don't tell anybody and I, no. I know you've done some tech editing in both, um, but I, I know I should ask you to say it. I just because I know the yep. answers to some of these questions. I know that design is your first love. Is there any yes. sort of uh, you know thing that's your particular favorite thing that you would you know with nothing else going on with no commercial pressures? Is there one style or technique that you would work on to the exclusion of others if you had your druthers? I would do crochet thread design a lot. Uh, if that's, if that's all <laughs> okay. if I could. And knitting wise, I would knit um, both women's and men's garments. And I like to explore texture beyond just cables and moss stitch. Mm-hmm. I really like to do tuck stitches and to look at machine knitting and try and re-engineer it so that it looks better in hand knitting and so I would just explore that. And, well, that's very cool. Yeah. Now, you wrote a book that came out last year that I also want to talk yes. about. Go. Emoji, I love emoji. this book. <laughs> so it's called <laughs> yes. emoji, emoji Crochet, and it has 21 patterns. And some of the Getting Loopy Groupies were my stitchers for me and made some of the awesome pieces that went into the book. And so shout out to them. Um <laughs> So there's two blankets, and one has the emojis kind of cr- stitched in as you go, kind of like a uh, grass. And uh, the other blanket is appliqued. Um, so you make all the facial features separately, like little amigurumi pieces, and then you stitch them on to the, the like the background face. And then and it there's... has other things too, right? It has pillows. Yeah. And... It has pillows and mittens and slippers and a hoodie that goes all the way from a uh, size two toddler up to a five X for adult. So it's the very whole, that nice was... when you're a technical editor that you can do all those. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. It was really fun to design the hoodie and to get all of that shaping calculated and figured out. And... Well, I have to so... say your idea of fun and mine are maybe not the same. <laughs> Well, it's the technical, uh, you know, uh, that whole technical aspect, I think, because I'm a technical editor, also influences where my head goes in designing as well. Right. No, that that makes perfect sense. So if people want to find your work, other than buying Emoji Crochet, and guys, if you're going to buy the book, which I recommend, please click on the Amazon link on the Hook for Life page. It doesn't matter what is showing up on the Amazon link. It doesn't, you know, it could be a carburetor if you click on it and purchase <laughs> what it is that you want. You, we still get the, we still get the credit back at getting with you. But um, where else? I know you have a pattern line that you um, often lament is is not 
got as much in it as you would like because you're always busy working. I'm always busy work. making everybody else's patterns work, so I don't have much yeah. time to develop my own. <laughs> but, well, uh, I've been fortunate to have... Where should people look for you? Yeah, on Ravelry, just look for Charles Voth Designs. I think that's the name of my design page. My username is Stitchdead, so you can find me there and also <laughs> go that way. Um, yeah, so all of my designs are there. And then I do have a couple pieces in, well, in your book, uh, Curvy Girl. And yep. uh, in Dora Ornstein's, uh, one of her Tunisian books, I have a vest. And then in cro- Crochet Red, the whole collection for heart health, I have a kimono jacket in there. And yeah, and then a whole bunch of, and then a lot of independent ones. And I have some knit patterns with um, Noro collections with uh, Soho Publishing. I have a couple of things there. And anyway, so, I can't, I don't have the page in front of me, but. No, but that's okay. It's, it's good that you got a lot of stuff. Now, we were talking um, off off the air before we got on here that you uh, you were doing some trend forecasting. So uh, what is it well, that you have to tell us about? <laughs> well, I don't know whether there, I've noticed trends in as far as designs and um, and techniques that are becoming popular, but more what I'm, I'm noticing, of course, the internet has disrupted all of our lives in many different ways and lots of different careers and jobs and stuff like that. And if it wasn't for the internet and Ravelry, I wouldn't be designing and tech editing now because I, w- I posted a hat design on Ravelry back in 2007 and a yarn company saw it and then commissioned a similar design and paid me. And I was like, oh, I can get paid for this? Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that started me designing. And then I met you uh, and Vashti at the 2009 um, CGOA conference in Buffalo, and and if you haven't first... heard, Vashti Vashti was on the show a couple of weeks ago, you guys. So if you haven't yes. caught up with all the episodes, you should definitely check that out because Vashti Braha is another interesting human being, and she was on a few <laughs> weeks ago. So you should definitely check that out if you haven't. And she will be teaching at the Crochet Guild of America show in July. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry, got to get the yep. advertisements in yep. there. Yeah, no, got it. I understand completely. I, I wouldn't want to shortchange Vashti either because she was an important mentor in the beginning for me too. So, and then I took your course on how to get published and um, in print. And, and you were uh, an overachiever, as I recall. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody else is struggling with their first submission, and he shows us a PDF, you know, with a border and graphic design and. <laughs> Well, Everybody sorry. Had to, there's my Canadian story, but you know, I had to kind of pull in all, <laughs> pull in everything I knew just in case. But uh, anyway, what I'm noticing on online is so. I mean, I, at that point when I first started in, there was mostly print design and PDFs were just starting, and a lot of independent designers were printing patterns on hard copy and selling them through distributors and anyway pdfs were just starting and um and so the whole flux of you know free pattern exchanging and then the unfortunate illicit pattern scan and photocopy and exchange you know that kind of stuff started but it's been very interesting with facebook groups and instagram channels and uh, stuff like that people 
have been very uh, vocal about protecting designers' rights and copyrights. And there's a lot of people that advocate on our behalf, uh, group owners and group leaders, um, which is nice to see. And But what I've noticed overall, and the other thing that I do, um, I'll bring that up later, um, what I've noticed <laughs> overall. <laughs> sorry. Okay. Yes, I, I am technical, but I'm not organized. Um, <laughs> I've noticed that, um, well, there's a, now there's kind of an expectation that a designer will have free patterns and maybe some paid. Um, mm-hmm. and, and there's a lot of different models now. So, you know, some of the more well-known bloggers um, put free patterns up, but then they sell advertisement-free PDFs. Some of them make video versions of their patterns for the YouTube channels. And then mm-hmm. there's a lot there's a lot of video patterns that have no text accompaniment. So you basically have to stop your device, do a little bit, start it again, which drives me crazy, but I know there are video people who love following video patterns and don't want to learn how to read a pattern. And this is the trend that I'm noticing. I'm a college teacher and I teach languages and I know you know, three or four learning styles are predominant in, in most humans. <laughs> There's probably right. a few other ones out there. <laughs> but anyway, um, and so people are, they, they know enough to say, oh, I'm a visual learner. And so I have to have video. You know, I can't learn mm-hmm. from a text. Pad. So there's this resistance now to um, learning to read patterns. And with it comes this little sense of entitlement of, oh my God, if there's no uh, text pattern for this, I mean, sorry, if there's no video pattern for this, I'm not going to make it. Or I've gotten emails and saying, oh, I really love your pattern. Are you going to make a video pattern for it soon? And what they don't understand is, first of all, it's your video patterns are free, so you don't earn anything, unless you're a famous YouTuber with hundreds of thousands of subscribers. But even then, YouTube has now changed its algorithm. So... People aren't earning the same from that anymore. People don't mm-hmm. click on people don't click on the ads. They they you know they say skip ads, so that stops the income flow. Anyway, and then it takes to make a good video pattern, in my opinion, that has clear audio, good lighting, at a good pace, explains all the intricacies for the beginners, but goes at a normal enough pace for the more advanced crocheters. It takes 12 to 16 hours to make the video. Plus, you have to make the sample. And most right. likely, you have, to, you have to make two. The one that would be your design and then the one that you make as you're making the video. So, Although, um, I have to tell you, I have gotten around that. And this sounds, like, really obvious. But for mm-hmm. I shoot the introduction last. <laughs> so the sample that I've made on camera is done. I love it. Um, That's a good idea. And it sounds stupid, but... As you know, and a lot of you know, because I'm not secret about it, I produce a lot of video content for other companies, for yarn companies mm-hmm. and for websites. And I have finally learned I don't have to make the hat first. I can make okay. the hat as I'm going, and then I shoot the introduction last because the hat's finished. Got it. Well, that's You know what I mean? Good. Yeah. <laughs> well, I never, I never make two of anything anymore because, you know, why bother? Yeah. <laughs> So, but I, but I wind up shooting all my intros last. So if I have 
you know, 10 or 12 interior cuts in the pattern, then the last piece of tape is always the introduction. Well, like usual, and, I should um, have talked, it, to, I should have I talked have gotten, to you a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, I always say that, Charles. But um, it's interesting. I have to say, now, have you, I have never, again, for all the thousands of videos I've produced, I have never done a video pattern in that I would say you could get the whole thing online. Now, no, um, we have talked offline. I, I took that um, YouTube class a couple of months ago at the SNAP conference, and one of the things now, the person who was teaching that class was a foodie, not a yarn person, but she mm -hmm. was saying she was experimenting because the current model for people who want the text is always click on the blog to get the text. Right. Right. But she was saying for some of her things, some of her shorter, simpler pieces, she was actually posting the entire recipe or in our case pattern in the description box of the YouTube video because she felt that the additional juice she was getting from YouTube for having the people that were watching her videos stay on the channel right. outweighed the number of ads that they would click if they went back to the blog. So okay. it's interesting, again, some of our colleagues were in the same class, and, and it's interesting watching people decide, are they trying to get people to stay on YouTube because that's the way they see their business growing, or they're trying to get the ad, trying to get the traffic back on the blog because that's where the affiliate ads and all that other kind of stuff are. So it's been interesting watching people sort of wade through that to see mm -hmm. which which way works for them. So have you tried? Yeah, have you put an entire pattern online? Because I never have. Uh, no, not yet. But I was after that conversation. I was planning on doing that with my next Spanish pattern, uh, and then. And that was that, my next question. Do you find that the Spanish language? Community versus the. Are you seeing one trend in the English-speaking community and a different and a different one in the Spanish language community? Uh, in the Spanish language community, um, people are very forgiving. So you can just say, "All right, for this size, chain this one. For this size, chain this one. For this size, chain this one." And that, and then you have each motif is eight stitches wide, and then you go and you teach them basically with a swatch. You make the motif. And then you say, okay, you work your rectangle until it's this long. And then for the, in, for the armholes, I'll show you my size. And each of you will have to decrease, you know, X, Y, Z. And off they go. There's no recipe, step-by-step -step expectation that it will all be spelt out for me. It's definitely, oh, I get it. I'm going to have to mess around and try this and frog and redo. And that's okay. Um, so it's very... Because they've never always had the history of written patterns, uh, literally right. line by line, they don't have the expectation of that. And even the younger crocheters that are really inexperienced and new, they will, you know, I've tried. I've reached out to the ones that I know are brand new. And I'll say, oh, I'll teach you how to read a pattern. And I'll write it, you know, I'll have one in Spanish written for them. And mm -hmm. they'll, they'll often say, um, oh, you know, this is great, but you know, what if I want to make it for my sister next, you know? And so then right. it's, it's back to, you know, can I just increase this many stitches? And they're already are figuring it out just by adding extra stitches and motif repeats and whatever. So it's like, meh, <laughs> they're happy to become, you know, modifiers, not necessarily designers, but definitely right. modifiers. 
And then I have a Facebook group in Spanish of about 20,000 and mm-hmm. they will, they will post a picture of, or three different pictures, you know, a cable on this one, a lace motif on that one, whatever. And then they'll make a little schematic and then they'll say, let's have a knit together or a crochet along. And mm-hmm. they'll just all go and they'll take those three things and they'll each make their own version of it a little bit different, but it's really cool. They basically are, you know, designing on, on, on the fly. So it's completely well, different. Doris Chan has always said that making pattern modifications is how many people start designing. Exactly. Which, uh, and I, I think that's and I think more people are more people are doing it than we know, but they wouldn't necessarily think of themselves yet as a designer. So, right. you know, they're very cautious. But then oh, I also the other thing that I'm finding is like there's a lot of crocheters, especially in Facebook groups, who who will say things like, you know, I'm never happy with the fit of my sweater or I don't like the finish. And so like my goal thinking into the future, I w- because I'm a crochet teacher in real life in yarn stores and right. stuff like that, I would love to figure out how to reach out to that person or I don't know and say, okay, I'm going to teach you how to do a good, how to have really good finish or how to modify and walk them mm-hmm. through it. You know, there's lots of books out there. Okay, how to modify a pattern top down, uh, you know, change the bus number of stitches. But right. it's it's still not hand-holding enough. And most people say, ah, I don't want to do the math. Well, and this is where I don't understand. Like when I, for example, I just taught a course at the college last year. And for the first time, my manager said to me, there won't be a textbook you're going to have to find online articles and um, online resources and compile them together into a homemade ebook, basically. And Mm -hmm. that's what the students will use as their textbook. So I tried and I teach, I teach um, linguistics. I teach English grammar, basically. No, I teach how to teach people whose English is not their first language. Yeah, I do. I do that. But I also train English speakers how to teach grammars to how to teach grammar to non-English speakers. So I'm a teacher trainer as well. And okay. so, yeah. So anyway, this was one of those courses where I'm training a, a future teacher. And mm-hmm. all of the, you know, by halfway through the through the program, every single assignment that the students did based on my ebook or on their own online research was uh, full of mistakes, inaccuracies. Um, they had found some PowerPoint by somebody whose language probably wasn't English on SlideShare and had used those rules to teach some grammar structure, and those rules were wrong. And by the end of the course, all of them said, okay, we, we know we paid so many thousand dollars for this course. By using internet resources, it's full of mistakes. Why can't we just have a textbook? <laughs> So it's right. very interesting. And so I feel uh, when it comes to crocheters, they, you know, they want everything from the internet and free and whatever. And then, but they're frustrated with the outcome. And I'm like, well, there was a way that we used to do things that right. took a little bit more time and a little bit more effort. And it's not instant and it's not impossible. And yes, there's even videos that show you how to do it. But I don't understand. This is the trend that I'm noticing is that there's this, 
you know, we can all make corner to corner blankets and we can all make the virus shawl and we can all. And so those are the trends. The, the trends are, you know, some YouTuber starts a pattern, it goes viral and then poof, then everybody's doing that. And it just goes rampant through all the Facebook and Twitter and, and Instagram. And I heard last year with the, um, oh, the hat with the, the ponytail hat. And the, what's that called? The messy bun hat? Yeah, the messy bun hat. So, so the picture, the picture went viral, the first picture, and then all of, everybody was writing patterns for it and publishing patterns. And one of the first paid patterns on Ravelry, people just bought it. And she, I don't know how much money she made, but she sold it to several hundred people. But she mm-hmm. never had it. She never had it tech edited. And then all of a sudden, people are like demanding refunds and and like flaming her and being really angry because she had, you know, and. Not, I mean, to her credit, she pulled it off, and I think she had it fixed and came back, and, right. and everybody got the update, right? But there's that whole, you know, quality pro, quality patterns take time, cost money. You know, there's tech editors, there's copy editors. So I don't know. I, that's the sad trend I'm feeling is that. People well, and it's interesting, and I, I feel like I sound like a bitter old woman and I keep saying the same thing, but I think it's coming up more and more recently. You're not the first person that I've had this conversation with, and mm-hmm. uh, although you possibly are the first person I've had this conversation with on the podcast. Um, but I said this I last okay. week. I <laughs> talking to a blogger. Yeah, it's fine. I'm talking to a blogger, but there seems to be a movement now that are people – are starting to realize that they have confused popularity with expertise. And there are popular people who are wildly expert in their field, but there are popular people who are not. And Mm -hmm. it's like getting your medical information from Google. You know, they always say, don't don't go to WebMD if you have a symptom because you'll be convinced (laughs) you have gangrene and you have to cut your foot off. Right. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. some stuff is reliable and, and some stuff isn't. But again, it's interesting. I keep, I'm sorry, I keep coming back to this video pattern thing because, A, I didn't know that's what we were going to talk to you. But this is why I love getting with you. I never know what we're going to talk about. <laughs> but the flip side of that, so to me, to do a pattern that was going to, to do a video that was going to be a video pattern, that video is going to be 20, 30 minutes long. And I just can't seem to keep people on that long. No. So it amazes me that you're saying that people will, you know, crochet a couple rows and then click the button and see the next piece. Mm-hmm. Because in my experience, I, I, I get abandoned, you know, 75% of the way in. I think that's great, you know, which is why you guys that um, follow all of us on, on YouTube, you know, you will notice suddenly all that like and subscribe crap is at the beginning because we suddenly figured out that none of you were watching the end. <laughs> <laughs> You get to the end of the video and you go, hey, like this video and subscribe to the channel. Yeah, you're not there. No, nobody's seeing that. So uh, exactly. again, one of my professional clients, I got an email saying, could you kindly, at the beginning, say subscribe to the channel in your 10-second introduction because we feel mm-hmm. like we're missing out on subscriptions because you don't say it to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so for you to say that we're going to do a whole pattern you know, as a video, it's interesting to me because to me, I feel like they're not going to stick around long enough. No. I mean, I think if they really want to make the pattern, then yes, they'll come back and they'll do it as they work on it. (coughs) Excuse me. But, um, But, so are 
we saying that the market is segmenting more? Well, I'm noticing, like you said, like there are people that are starting to notice what quality is. Um, right. But I'm still finding a lot of them are, you know, oh, this pattern, this video was in Russian or Turkish or Spanish. I don't get it. I wish there was an right. English version of it. So then I go on, I've commented and said, well, you know, I can contact the original videographer and get their permission to make an English video. I said, but they're going to want to be paid for it. Will you pay me so that then I can pay them? And then it's like, well, no, no, don't bother. You know, I'll figure it out. Right. So, and part of me is like, my dream is to figure out how to do like a GoFundMe and say, you know, design something uh, that's appealing and then say to everybody, okay, this is the text version of the pattern. You can get it for a buck or two. But if you want the video, you know, a hundred of you, why don't you get together and then I can produce the video for it. And, you know, and everybody can just donate a dollar and then something like right. that would be, I haven't figured out how Pat, Patreon, 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 Patreon. works. Yeah, works I yet, keep but... thinking about that for the podcast too. You all, I keep threatening you that I'm going to make you all pay for the podcast and then I never come up with a way to do it. So, so far, you're not safe, <laughs> you know, but um yeah, so, I haven't I haven't quite figured that out either, and I have just yeah. moved to the affiliate marketing ads on the blog, which I had originally said I would never do, but there's that whole eating thing that yeah, uh, needs exactly. to happen. And you know, we've all, Charles's boys and my daughter are all about the same age, so we have college bills to pay and textbooks to buy and, you know, yeah. the occasional so. <laughs> and there's a you know and there's a good contingent of people who yes they buy patterns and they respect designers and they're willing to wait you know to pay um but overall i'm starting to feel of the new generation that are that are coming in they've learned everything from youtube videos they realize that they need to learn to read patterns so that they can access the huge inventory of print of text version patterns that are out there so right. they're starting. They're starting to come of age of. Oh, I guess I do need to learn how to read a pattern if I'm, you know, because not everybody's going to make a video. But there's still a contingent that's just like, well, eh, I'll just make another virus blanket. Fine. So right. and those okay. and those I guess and those I guess I'll just I should just let them be happy making virus blankets. But, <laughs> but I I, as as a teacher, I just feel ago. that there's a whole group of sitting at the back of the class with baseball hats pulled down not wanting right. to learn and I'm like but right. you guys are the ones that I want to teach you know these are the I, I see such promise in you I want to take you you know from that backbench brigade into being amazing crocheters but you guys are just but sitting back I, I there I think like, we've eh. always had the person that makes another virus blanket although instead of another virus blanket it was the number of crocheters of an older generation again necessarily the age of their bodies but the age of when they came into crochet that right. learned to make their two baby blankets from a leisure arts book or from their own grandparents or what have you mm. and that's what they do and that's all that they do and some people are happy with that and those are the people that we have to leave alone yeah absolutely that is what you want out of your crochet and and you want to make 20 virus shawls or 15 baby blankets or 87 chemo hats but again, I you know, we talk about this all the time, too. I think we're coming back to the difference between process stitchers and product stitchers. 
Um, The process stitchers are going to make the thing that they know how to make, and that's all they want, and that's okay that that's all they want. Mm -hmm. Um, The the results-oriented stitchers want to wear this sweater or that shawl or that, you know, make that curtain for the bathroom or or what Mm -hmm. have you. Those are the people that are going to need to increase their skill level if they're going to be able to consume material. And the other thing, we're going past time. For those of you who are listening live, please come back and and listen on the audio tape. For those of you listening on iTunes or on BTR, uh, of course, you know, this isn't ending, but the British lady is yelling at us. So uh, those of you who are listening live, you can either call in or, uh, you know, listen to the rest on the tape when it's done. Um, And I just lost my train of thought. It's okay. You were talking about um, the product knitters who are going to learn, need to learn new skill sets. Yes, and I, but I had a really good point and I lost it. So okay. this is what happens when I get distracted. <laughs> I'm going to wake up and I'm going to go to bed and I'm going to wake up and I'm going, damn it, what I meant to say was. Um, so, and I don't want to come gone. across, so ne- I don't want to be like a negative Ned, but. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't think that we are. I, no, I, I just. I, I just see all this potential out there, and you know, I want to bring them along. And but yeah, I do want to feed my family too. I remembered you know. my point. <laughs> Sorry to okay, what's you, that? But I remembered my point. That's great. My I'm point good. that I was relating it to was um, I don't know if this happened in Canada with your kids, but my kid can't write cursive because they taught. They told them, you know, they were all going to be on computers and they would not never mm-hmm. need to know. But now it's happening, particularly with history majors and journalism majors and stuff like that. They can't go back to original source material because they can't read it. <laughs> oh, no. They can't do yeah. historical research because none of these women and men learned cursive. And for mm-hmm. them to go back to source documents. So the point, the parallel that I was trying to make was if you can't read the patterns, then you can't go back to Barbara Walker's original knitting book, and you can't look at James Waters' crochet books, and you can't go back to the wealth of information that is available only in print, because right. you know, 40, 50, 60-year-old books that are amazing are, are not videotaped, <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, no. And then, like, the funny thing, this, like, the whole C2C trend you know, all of a sudden, oh, they, they see this group of three double crochets worked into the three chain and in the diagonal blocks, and they see that, and they call it C2C. Well, it's actually the tilted brick stitch from 50 years ago or even older, and it's, right. had, it's had several other names, and it's definitely horizontal probably was its first orientation before it became diagonal. <laughs> but I think that is something else that happens that we find um, designers that have not done their research into the old stuff, you know, come up with a new name for something. And then you just want to go, please, <laughs> do that for 75 so, you know, minutes. And I guess it really you, doesn't matter what the name is. But the, the, the thing is, there's that wealth of stuff which would look really cool with modern day yarns and cool color combinations go back right you just broke up still or can you hear me no you're back okay it just clicked for a minute okay so yes but i I think limiting yourself to stuff that is on video is the same thing as not learning to read cursive that was the point that i was trying to make very very Um, good i like i love the analogy well thank you um 
where can people, what is the name of your Facebook group with the 20,000 people on it? <laughs> the Spanish one is uh, Tejedor Listo, which is spelled T-E-J-E-D-O-R and then L-I-S-T-O. I do have an English, well, I have several English Facebook groups. <laughs> so I'd like to <laughs> Which one I'd like would to you invite, like our listeners to go to? <laughs> um, I would like people to go to Crochet University. And because okay. uh, that's all about learning. And then there's another one called Quality Crochet Patterns. And that's actually um, a requirement for any designer who wants to share their pattern, free or paid, uh, in that group is that they give credit somewhere in their pattern for who tested it or who their tech editor was. Because the idea is, you know, if you want free patterns or paid patterns, they should all be tech edited. So I want to promote quality crochet patterns so anybody okay. who wants to join cool. anybody who joins that group you when you scroll down through the the wall of the of the group all the patterns you see there have been tech edited not by me but there it's all well if i joined they will have been tech edited. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah god forbid but. we find a mistake man they'll hang you out to dry oh that's fine and, um, uh, that happens it does get past me and your YouTube channel, which is currently, it's primarily in Spanish, but another thing Charles and I both have been talking about is translating our YouTube videos into the other language with closed captioning. So I'm uh, working on getting a... closed caption on my videos <laughs> and also adding it in Spanish. And then you were talking about putting some English closed captions on your Spanish language material. Yep. Then in our spare time. The work. <laughs> so <laughs> the, uh, I actually have a five-episode vlog on youtube called okay. swatch on called swatch on swatch off and, okay. and of that's course, in english it's, all, it's in english and of course mm -hmm. it's all about swatching swatching um and then i have a spanish one which is also called tejedor listo on youtube okay so what is the name of the youtube channel um tejedor listo which, okay yeah. i love you i'm hanging up on you we went way long <laughs> okay <laughs> thank you so much uh, thank you so much for coming on. As always, we had lots of interesting things to talk about. You're going to have to come back on again. But I'm going to say goodnight, so I can say goodnight to the people. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. Okay, let me put you on mute. Don't cough yet. Everybody that's come on the show in the last couple weeks has been sick. Okay, you're muted. You're good. So anyway, my darlings, thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, please check out Charles's work at El Tejedor Listo. Um, and his Facebook groups that he just mentioned and on Ravelry where he's under his old name Stitch Stud that we still make great fun of him for. Um, check out my uh, website, hookforlifepublishing.com slash blog. Um, so my gosh, I think I mentioned last week that there's a new pattern up. I haven't gotten anything up in the last 10 days, y'all, but I have, I've been on the road, on the road again traveling and being crazy. So uh, next week, Christy Simpson. And um, check me out on Pinterest at Hooked for Life, F-O-R. Instagram, Hooked number four life, L-L-C. And Twitter is Hooked number four life. Anyway, you guys, I know we went a little long tonight, but I think it was interesting. I hope it was interesting. If it's not, you've abandoned me by now anyway. So we'll see you next week on June 11th with Christy Simpson. Good night.